Adam Hergenrother, and this is Business Meets Spirituality. We believe in personal growth through business success. Um, busy week this week, huh, Holly? Any week before for travel, vacation, work events, there's just a lot of final prep that needs to happen. And yes, it is productive, but I mean, it's also busy. Like, I think sometimes we can't just use the word. It's just busy right now. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. You know, we've done a lot of, of teaching and Project U this quarter is all about wealth, right? Which is, you know, about what is, and wealth is, you know, is a an interesting concept because the way I think about wealth uh, is about your kind of your inner state in terms of like the wealth that you that you have, but is also a combination of people think about wealth, they think of money. What I would just call that is like, money or rich being rich is not wealthy wealthy is kind of the meaning that you derive from things and we've also been teaching a three-part series and living in about wealth to all of our associates and our employees as well just to kind of understand this and so we thought it'd be a good idea to kind of continue this conversation right now particularly when you have um, an economic year that uh, typically changes most people's earnings um, whether they're employees and and there's there's of course layoffs happening which was the whole point of the government's uh, increasing of their fed rate was to basically designed to increase people um, getting laid off. So we increased unemployment number. Um, who knows how this is going to land? But the one thing I think people are, everyone is feeling is they're not quite as price insensitive as people were. At least I know that I'm not. I know probably you probably are not. Most people that I know is, it doesn't mean people have stopped spending, but people are just price insensitive. So I think this is a great time to bring in, you know, the, the wealth money conversation. We're going to start off with with a question that I think is important, which is, you know, when you grew up, what money messages were you around? What, what about, what was that like for you, Hallie? Um, my, I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but the money messages I got were all, all about saving being very, um, you know, if you talk to my sister, she would say my parents were cheap. I might say they were frugal. Um, but yes, they were very talking about price sensitive. They were very price sensitive always saving. I mean, they lived on one paycheck with four kids, you know, and not a huge paycheck because my dad was in the military. So, um, actually I, they were sharing a story not too long ago and he was telling me like how much money they had to pay for, but we always lived in, he always would get us like the nicest house that they could afford because it was always really important to my family. Um, but even just telling me about like the rent that they paid, I mean, it was like nothing, but like, that was a huge stretch for them. Um, but it was, but, but again, that was what was important. It was always the house was important to make sure we were in a safe neighborhood. Um, and, um, yeah, I just always watched my parents saving. They would have conversations about money with each other, but not necessarily with us. Um, but every week they would sit down at the kitchen table together and my mom would literally fill out her check register and make sure to the penny, everything was balanced. And, um, yeah, they were just big savers and it was all about working hard to earn the money that you had. And then you, once you got it, you didn't spend it, you saved it. What messages do you think carried through? I could take a couple of guesses, but what do you think carried yeah. through to you right now? The big one is um, saving for sure. Um, and I'm not a huge spender, as you know. <laughs> you think it's security too? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, I forgot about the whole security part. A hundred percent was security um, because I mean, maybe that wasn't the word that my parents used. Cause I always sure. felt very secure as, especially yeah. as a kid. Like I thought we had a ton of money. I had no idea. Um, but they always valued experiences and being together way more than any material items that we were never, we never bought things. My mom made things or we did experiences. 
it was all super like fun, fun, like super fun childhood. Like my mom would, you know, just make us things because we couldn't really, now I know that we didn't, couldn't really afford things, but I didn't know that. I thought we, you know, we did have an amazing childhood. So, but yes, yeah, so definitely a big part about security. Saving to me is about security, which I certainly carry for, forth today. You think you have any limiting beliefs at all based on money messages or things that you carried forward? Yeah, that's a, that is such a good question and probably one I haven't thought too much about. Um, but I do think I may have some limiting beliefs around um, uh, ways to earn money that don't include my personal hard work yeah. and an effort. Like I believe that the harder I work, the better I am, the more money I'll make which is true to an extent, but that's not the only way to earn money. But that's the only way I saw and that was valued growing up. Yeah, I think you make a good point. I think if you're, if you're, if you're trading time for money, then that is, that is how you look at it, which is the harder I work, the more money you make, which is true. That's like more of the hourly rate. That's more of like more energy I put in towards it, which it is accurate, but there's another way to have your money work for you, which is there. I think it's, it's important for the exercise that you, kind of, you just did that people actually go through that same thing. Like what was your money message? What did it actually, what, what were the positives? So the, honestly, like some of the positives is that you spend little amount of money. You were very secure in what it is. You've, you've built up a, you know, a massive savings for yourself and you don't lavishly spend, you know, for me, it was kind of the opposite, which is like, I, my, we didn't have any money growing up similar to you. We very limited at all. I actually never felt any difference. That's always my indication. I always go back to that. I never felt any different. I, I would be curious. Sorry. I was going to say, I would be curious if you talk to your brother though, because what, what I found, and I've talked to a lot of people like coaching clients and stuff about this, that it is fascinating to hear, to talk to your siblings, particularly about their, how they felt that you grew up. Like if you talk to my siblings, some of them would say we had nothing. Our house was always a mess. And I'm like, what childhood did you have? And I just, I think it's just fascinating. The differences that, um, the different experiences, even though you were literally living in the same house. So anyway, I know that that was your experience, but I'm, I'm so curious, like what would Tom's experience be? Yeah, I mean, he actually shares the same philosophy as like he never felt that he never had anything. And our parents, you know, my mom worked at daycare, so she'd be home with us, make sure that we we're there. And we just never felt like we were missing out on anything, right? You just don't know. Um, but I, when my dad got into business for himself as a sole proprietor, I saw him start to spend money. And that then triggered to me of like, he has this power, he has this authority, he kind of runs the household, right? Like this very, like, if you do that, then you're in control of everything. So that then turned me into wanting to basically go after money to basically find this happiness and this joy that was there. And I, and obviously we've talked many times about that, 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 that it was good in one way, which it got me a lot of money to succeed, but then it, then and in one way it, it put me on the path where I am today, but it didn't bring me the joy or the peace or the fulfillment that I thought it would. It just brings you, um, for me, it brought me actually even more, um, it brought me to a lower state because when you don't have it, you're always in hope that once you get it, you'll feel it. And then kind of once you get it, and then there's, there's kind of no more that you can, well, there's always more you can go if you play that game, but you kind of realize like, I'm not, when am I going to, when am I going to stop playing this game? Right. And so that's when it was made as like, it, this can't be just about making money. Now, nothing wrong with it. Money is money and joy is joy. I think there's, that's the, that's the dividing line that people need to understand, especially around money. Cause money is this weird thing. It means nothing. It means everything. And people go, what does that mean? Well, depending on your situation, it can mean nothing. If you're in the middle of the forest, and, and, and you're lost, 
money isn't, you can have all the money in the world. It's not going to help you out right now, right? Not in that situation. Whereas in other times, if there's, you know, health emergency, money can be very valuable, right? To help out with these different things. So it means a lot. And mechanically, it's still something that we use in our system. So people just need to understand the mechanics of money so they become financially literate. So they're not becoming financial illiterate, which most people just don't talk about, right? And I think that's the port of the money message is to understand what are my beliefs? How am I sharing my money message with my partner, with my kids, with other family members, how I talk about it, how do I react when other people are talking about money or buying things that are that are better than things that we have? How do I respond to that from you know from our, from people watching me, whether that's in business or whether that's in your personal life? And so I think once you become aware of a lot of those things, it doesn't mean they're going to go away, but you just don't have to engage with it. Um, I think that's really the key. And I also think about this as the same way I think about, you know, we were having a conversation yesterday about, you know, the cross comes, you know, there's in, in a lot of traditions, it comes before Christianity actually used the cross. It was used in, in, in different contexts. And that cross kind of represents uh, the doing line. That's the horizontal line represents this kind of doing, which is the action items, which is searching, which is achievement, which is money, which is those type of things. But then there's a vertical line, which is the being side, right? Which is the exact opposite of actually searching. It means actually calling off the search in the vertical line. And so I think part of understanding money is to, that there are two dimensions here. There is one where you are playing in this world. And if you are playing and you're in a situation where you're making money that's just wonderful this is what it is it's like you're playing a sport if you happen to win the, the sport that's wonderful as well too but it's not who you are and i think that becomes um people need to be very aware that they don't become attached to their money messages i.e to the money or with the feeling that it's giving them right there's nothing wrong with building up reserves and living below your means and, and feeling that feeling i'm not saying that but when you get addicted to, I need to, the only way I can feel better is if I continue to save more, that becomes a problem because now you're worried about it falling through. You're worried about the market collapsing. You know, we had a, a high net worth advisor on. He said, you know, people took out, you know, even this last turn, people lost so much money in the stock market because they saw their portfolios dropping that they took all of their money out. And if they just left it in there, it'd be back higher than what it was before, even a couple of years ago. And so it's being able to manage your emotions around money. You look like you have a question. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a lot of questions. I want to go back to some of your money messages growing up because I felt like you kind of uh, went over those really fast. And I would particularly, I'm, I'm curious about what your money messages that you had growing up around power, because you mentioned that. And then I'm a little bit around time. So you mentioned very briefly that money, the, tell, tell me about the money, the message you got around power growing up. Well, I just, when I, when you watch your dad, right, especially as a son-father relationship, hold the power of the relationship or like being able to get things done with money, um, that becomes more of a power thing. And like, you know, it's, you can buy whatever you want, essentially type of thing. And you feel like, particularly for me, it was like, well, if I have that level of power, then then I'll be able to control more of the world, right? And that's at least an illusion that you can, that people have there. Um, I think it was also, I think it, that trans, that, that probably morphed a little bit for me that in the in my early 20s money meant that I was that I would actually like I needed to prove to the world that I could that I was something more than what I thought about myself almost um so I think that was a really big message that I took away from that um and then once you realize that the world doesn't care for the most part like they really don't people really people may be excited for you but how often do you wake up thinking about Jeff Bezos being a billionaire like people just don't really care 
and they don't they 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 only care if they feel like they're being um if like their friend makes a lot more money or somebody close to them makes a lot more money because then it interacts with your psyche or your ego going well Hallie's making this amount of money we've been equal for a long period of time so therefore i'm doing something wrong right and that's right. what you're really careful of right it's like warren buffett says you know you're you can make five billion dollars but if you're if your competitor makes five billion one, you lost, right? And like that's not the way to live your life. And and that's why when he talks about comparison, which is why you know honestly, I think uh, one of the first things around just understanding money in general is people have not defined what their inner scorecard of success means. You know, Warren Buffett did an article um, or an interview recently at ninety four years of age, and he said one of the most important. He said the, the most important trait for an individual determined between success and failure, not just in the outer world, but just in, in the whole, in your whole life and your experience was that you not defining success based on your inner scorecard. That was his number one thing. So here's a guy who's gotten plenty of money, been around, seen many things happen in his late nineties, has nothing to prove and basically woke up and said, look, the number one thing you should do is make sure you define your success by your inner scorecard, which to me, all that means is understanding that money is money and joy is joy. That it's it's about what, what does success mean to you, right? What does it really mean to you? And is it really that money is your success? And maybe, maybe, not right and i think but i think most people don't pause and understand and even have conversations around money they don't understand they don't have a spending plan that makes them feel like they're out of control they don't know where every dollar goes i don't care if you're spending all your money on things you should just know where every dollar is going towards so it makes it feel like you, you know you get your tax return at the end of the year and you go i mean how much where is my money I have no idea where it went um and and then so people then just get caught up in this race of like wanting more money um and i don't think and that does, it just doesn't work it's not wrong it just doesn't work yeah, and I was gonna say even before like the mechanics, it's it's like, why are you even making those decisions? What are your beliefs around around money, which are obviously dictating your actions? But if you don't peel back those layers, you could you could you know take all the books and read all of the classes about how to manage your money, and you're still gonna probably make some mistakes if you haven't figured out what the beliefs are behind that, and maybe you know gotten right with that first. You know, I just think one yeah. quick thing, real quick comment. You yeah. know, I've heard, and 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 that you, you've been around some of this, and I know that other people have probably talked to other people that are extremely wealthy, whatever that really means. And if people are really honest, they're going to say, "Well, yeah, I love this house, but and it's great, it's a great thing here." But honestly, I drive by my old house that was twelve hundred square feet, and I don't feel any different moving in this one than I did in that one. Then I go, "Then how come you're in this one?" Right? That's always the question that I always ask. So, like, well, because I can. And Eckhart, Eckhart Tolle actually said something really good this way. He said, "There's nothing wrong with improving your life. It's just, and so if you have the means to improve your life, you should improve your life. However, if that's something that that means something to you, but." Are you in a situation where you could let it go and it wouldn't bother you? I think that's always the question. So it's like, does things run you or are you running things? Because on that horizontal line, it's fun to play with the world. It's fun to build a new house or to, you know, to save and go buy for a vacation or for a new car or a boat, whatever it is that you want. There's nothing wrong with any of that. It's just when you attach any part of you or any part of your, your inner um, wellness, if you will, the fulfillment that you get to that, you, you, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And that's, that's the trick because... You know, you don't ever want to say you're like, don't go spend money. Nobody's saying that. The whole point is that you are not attaching 
who you really are or your self-worth to anything that you're doing on that horizontal line. If you are firmly rooted in the vertical line of that being, then you may have a lot of money. You may be able to do different different things. That's going to mean something different for every single person. There's nothing wrong with playing on that line anymore, right? And, you know, even um, when I had a conversation with Michael Singer about money, he was telling me that Ron Doss was, um, if you guys know Ron, was actually with him. And he uh, was he is actually holding the Untethered Soul book when he was going to release it out in the world before it actually went out there and they were driving there. And he's telling the story. And Ron said, hey, I just found this beautiful house that I love. It's in this perfect location. And and, he's, and he said, should I buy it? And Michael said, well, can you afford it? And he said, yes. And he said, well, you should go out there and enjoy it. Right? So there's... It, even the highest level of spiritual teachers, right, are just like, yeah, go enjoy what it is that you want and, and money can buy privacy and different things. It's just that you're not in a situation where you're going, once I get this new house, I'll be happy. Once I get this new experience, I'll be happy. Once I'm on vacation, I'll be happy. If that becomes a game you play, then you get caught up with using the world outside as a way to turn you on instead of going, let me do the work of why I'm not happy right now. And then I'm going to keep doing that work and then bring that into whatever experience, vacation, house, boat, material thing that I have or get to enjoy that I'm going to bring my whole self into that. But again, it's not I'm getting these things to turn me on or make me feel better because you'll play that game the rest of your life. And then that's when you get really addicted to to experiences or buying things or keeping up with it because it ties, uh, it's linking you, your your wellness to the outside. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. Um, what were your money messages growing up around time? Like, to, I don't time know if, yeah, I don't know if they were, I had, I'm sure I did, but you know, ever since I was a really young individual, I always tried to leverage. I was actually, I, I always say this, but this is a good time to kind of break it down. I was really inherently lazy. Like I would have friends of mine in middle school, like doing things for me. Like I would always just try to, and not always, honestly, in, in positive ways. Like I would, let me give you an example of this. I remember like when I, when I would, when high school, I just remember this classic example of this. Like I would always ask somebody else to drive so I'd have to spend money on gas, right? I would always ask somebody else to pick me up so I didn't have to actually have to wear a tear on this. Or I'd always try to leverage pieces out. And it really wasn't fair, but that's in my mind. I was I was getting ahead by using somebody else's leverage of whatever, whatever it was. I did that actually with my mom. My mom was, was really, um, she was always there for us and willing to do anything we could, we could. So I'd always leverage that. I mean, I was even in college, I was like, my mom was picking up my laundry and doing all that stuff. I mean, that's not uncommon, but like, it's not probably not <laughs> all not, that normal either. But like, yeah. My mom wasn't doing my laundry for me. <laughs> but I was, I was always, I was always looking for a way that if somebody else could do something for me, that it just, yeah. it was. And it actually allowed me to be a really good leader once I actually learned and to harness that of how you can bring that as a positive trait. Um, but I had it on both sides, right. For, for what that was. Um, but that was really about time. And that's why even to this day, it, somebody's trying to take my time, even if I'm scheduled to do a meeting, like even if it's something that I've scheduled, like, and I'm looking forward to, it's still like, there's still, there's still a slight feeling of anxiety around it about going to the meeting and I don't touch it. I just see it. I just there. So somehow there's something deep in there about somebody taking my time or my energy um, uh, from not being able to do essentially what I want to do when I want to do it. Um, there's a little anxiety there. That's something that I, that I surrender and work with every day because that's not how you actually want to live your life. Did what were the, um, well, I was just thinking, do you, did you have any messages around like money buys you time? 
money. No, um, you're because, time for money. No, because my dad was never really there. He worked really hard. So he wasn't, I didn't get that message. In fact, I got it like the work ethic. He worked nonstop, particularly when yeah. he was starting a business. And so I didn't really, I never got that. It was just more about hard work, hard work, hard work. In fact, it wasn't until I met, you know, Gary Keller as a mentor that for the first time, somebody explained to me that this was 2009, um, that, that he, that I was sitting in a room with him and he said, Basically, I don't remember exactly what he said, but he said one of his lines that like, you know, you can hire people and you get a return on them and your time back, something along those lines. And I was like, for the first time, somebody actually like agreed with me, like what I was thinking. And then it turns to find out like that's obviously a lot of leadership is when you hire somebody, you hire them to take part of your job over. So that gives you either time to focus on other things whatever other things are personal or business, right. For what it is. Um, and then also you should see a return on that. And he's always drew, pushed that in there. And the more you get into business, the more you see that with people, you see that with very successful people, they just may choose to take more time and do more business. Some people may take more time and, and spend it with their family or whatever it is that they do. That's their choice. But when you do hire somebody, the whole point of you investing into the person is for them to take something off your plate. In the beginning, I always was taught like from the dad, like, well, you got to do it better than your teammates, right? That type of thing. Cause they never really had employees. So it was always like, I have, I have to do their job better for them. And I think that's still a mindset around people when they go out and hire somebody, it's either they're like, why would they want that job? Or I have to show them that I can do their job better. Whereas I just take the opposite approach and go in there and just like, they're way better than me. That's the whole point of why I hired them is that's the, my goal is to assemble a team that's way better in sports is, is such a great example of this is the owner of the team isn't out there playing football or making the calls, but they get the majority of that wealth or at least the net worth of it. The coach is in there is not doing any of the plays, but he's the one organizing all of the players and the players are way more talented than the coaches, right? And they're out there, but they, it takes everybody in every single type of position in different phases of your life, right? Like you don't walk in there day one being a leader, right? Most of the leaders or coaches played some level of sports, you know, either college or professional, if you're talking, you know, this level of sports, and then got them into coaching because they maybe they were good enough, but they weren't amazing. They found out they were better leaders than they were actually individual contributors. I, I don't know if this is maybe how your your dad thought, or I, I just feel like sometimes those individuals who are like, I it's not necessarily that they want to do it better than that person. I because I I know people who are like this, that they it said they believe that kind of leading from the front or, you know, getting their hands dirty alongside their team is shows is, is a way to build respect from the yeah. team. I don't know if that's what, maybe what your dad's mentality was, but what yeah. would you say to that? Well, I think that's, that's an element of getting somebody's respect for it, but I think there's other ways to get people's respect. That's different. And I think leaders uh, high level leaders that you're leading don't want you in their work. And I think the other way of getting their respect is actually doing whatever hard it is that you do or making sure that you're clear on what your roles are in doing that, right? And so I think it's, it's you people you know, understand what that looks like. I think you can earn people's respect by doing, we always call talk about this about finding, look, everyone knows what's hard in life, right? So like find your heart and do something along those lines and somebody else's heart may be different than yours. Like somebody's could be, you know, 
running a marathon. Somebody else's could be, you know, stopping drinking for six months, right? If that's the thing, I'm just from one extreme to the other, right? Or, or, or actually it could be another hard could be leaving work early for somebody to go spend time with their partner or their family. That could be hard for somebody. So people see that they respect it in other people's. um, And really what you're respecting is the self mastery component. That's really what it is, which is you're respecting the ability that they know that the mind is telling them probably not to do that. And they're caught in their traps and they're overriding that mind system or that pull to get you out there and you're doing something different quitting smoking cigarettes whatever it is right starting a new program or or doing a non-profit or something along those lines well and i think that i mean this is maybe getting a little off topic but i do think like respect is so subjective to the person whose respect you're trying to earn yeah. like it like you know it, it could be that that person really values humility so if they see their leader working alongside them they think okay well my leader is not putting themselves up on a pedestal is not too good to get in the weeds once in a while with me, but that might be because that's a particular value for that person for, you know, all the things. Anyway, I digress. Um, Okay. So I wanted to get back to the money messages when you, so you had particular ones as a kid then, or as a young adult growing up, then how, how did those switch or have they switched? um, And how do you kind of work through those to change your beliefs because some of them served you but some of them didn't i think there's it depends on what part of me is there right um and this is what i this is people can track with me for a second and the people listen to this should be able to um if you if you're referring to just like the ego or the psyche part uh that is always still riled up around money like that, I'm not sure I ever, I don't go in there and try to mess with it. But if I become attached to it and then I do that, I will fall in line and I will, and I will, I can make my life about money really quickly if I wanted to touch it. Right. That's always there. And it's, and, and, and what's happened, it's just become the pull has become so much less stronger. So it doesn't pull me into it nearly as much as it used to. But when I was attached to it and became it, I would run my life based on whatever that ego or psyche thought that was the right thing to do, which is going after money, power, fame, material things, all that type of stuff to have it. And it's like, oh, you got to show this person, you got to have this to be able to have whatever that conversation in your head is. Now it's, I see that conversation go on. I just don't touch it. And it makes it for a much more natural path around it, which is then you can see what money clearly is, which is just a tool. Again, it's a wonderful tool. And this is why I always come back to, there's nothing wrong with spending money on things. It's just, you're not spending money on it because the the ego is telling you to go do that. And you're living way below your means because that feels uh, completely different anyways. So depending on what part of you, right? There's, and I think this is truth for a lot of people. Um, it, you know, it's like, it's just how much are you willing to engage with that other part of you? Again, the psyche, the ego, right? Whatever you want to refer to that as, as that's trying to control your life through what it knows that you, um, or how it's controlled you before or what you've liked before, and it'll keep you there. And so the separation happens is like, I see it, I hear it inside. I hear the voice trying to tell me that I need to get more money or I need to go buy a new car or I need to go buy a new house or I need to go on this vacation now. And you just you just ignore it. And when you ignore it, you may find yourself on a different vacation or the same vacation. It just happens to be there. It's just a completely different way to live your life. Um, And that is truth for anything, relationships. But for money, that's a really important one, which is 
you can't go in there and try to eliminate the ego by fighting with it. It doesn't work. And so you can't go, it's like, oh, why is it telling me to go buy a new house? I don't want a new house. I don't want a new house. And then it's like, well, of course you should. And you're just, you're just fighting. And it's like, again, that analogy that we use, which is like, if you have a crystal clear pond and you throw a rock in there, and then you want to, then you were trying to smooth it out, like jumping in there. That's what people are doing. So really for me, it's again, I think that the, the pull is still there. It's just way less. And it just, it, it, it rarely grabs me this time. I still can be grabbed by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, and you just gotta, how fast do I stay in there is, 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 and how quickly I can get out. And that's part of it. Um, so it's also very, a very, you're also very aware that like, that's your thing. Like, yes, I'm assuming, yeah. right? Like it, there's a bunch of other things that happen that, that you never get pulled to, you never attached to, but like, you're very aware that that's, that's the thing for you. That and telling you what to do. And telling you what to do. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll be careful about that. Um, <laughs> well, I, I think, it, well, again, it's aware. So you can, that's why you can have yeah. the conversation there. I, I'm fully aware that like when somebody tells me what to do, it's probably not telling me what to do. We're doing it because it's best for the organization, not because they can trying to control me that's just an inner thing though that has nothing to do with anybody else so when i hear yeah. that in the, in the ego or the psyche gets riled up about it i go there then that's what i get to relax behind and let part of that go and i'm glad somebody told me that because it disturbed me and i can get part of this out so it disturbed me even less next time um i wanted to ask you about this thing that jim carrey said um, I believe he was doing a speech, maybe at a college somewhere. He said, this is not a direct quote, but he said something about, I wish everyone could achieve their wildest dreams so that they would realize that it's not what they were really after. But of course, my question always is, but does somebody, but do you have to achieve their the wildest? I mean, I guess that's what he's saying. He wants people to achieve that wild dream, wildest dream to make sure to to show them that that's not what they're really after. However, do they need, they need to get that or get a certain amount of money in order to realize that that's not what they're after? I think so. Is there a way to realize it beforehand? I think some people definitely need to. I don't think, I think somebody could tell them, and I was probably one of them, to be honest with you, like said, well, you don't need to achieve money to feel that. And I go, and part of intellectually, I may have understood that, but Mm -hmm. inside it was like, yeah, okay, right? Like that's really not good. I need to go do this. Of course, having this money is going to make me way happier. Like that whole conversation, right? Like, sure. yeah. or like you may intellectually understand that, but you got to go really, truly experience it. I think for a lot of people, it's true. I think you got to experience. Now, what I would say is look at your past because I think there's clues left along this that are, are leaving you clues along the way that you're just not paying attention to. For instance, right? Is it that you have to go make $1 million or $100 million to achieve that? I don't think that's the case. I think what you can look and say, Hey, when you were 20 or 24 or whatever the age is, and you said, if you're making $100,000, 200, whatever the number is, right? At that point in time in my life, if it, let's say like for me, right? This is where I saw this, using my own, my own example here. I was making like $32,000 a year coming out of college. And I was like, man, if I could just make like $75,000 a year, like my life would just be like, I don't know exactly what I was saying, but basically like, wow, right? Like this would be amazing. And then I got there and I was like, but if it could just be 150, because then once you get to 150, it would be fine. And then, then of course I'm like, yeah, it's gotta be 150. And then you get to 150. And then it's like, if it could be like 300, I mean, this would be like, this would be amazing, right? And then you get to 300, right? And this is my own journey, right? Then you, whatever is the next number, the next number. And finally around 500, right? that's why I tell the story. I woke up and I said, 
this just doesn't work anymore. <laughs> like, how much more longer am I going to play this game? I've been playing this for five years. And every year, it's like, I get a little more. I got a little bit more, right? I hit the number that I wanted to do that. My mind said it was going to bring me all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, it's it just, and then it was on to the next one. It's because if you play on that, that horizontal line of that searching line the entire life, you attach yourself to that without being grounded in being, without being, without being aware of what you're doing, you'll search for your entire life. You'll be, you'll be a billionaire searching to get more hospital wings with your name on it, right? You just, it'll never end for that point. So I, I think people should stop and look back and go, how many times have you told yourself that if this happened, it would be amazing? And not just around money, right? What about the things you purchased? Okay, if I get this new car, it's gonna be amazing. Well, is it amazing? No, right? The answer is no. If you got that house, it would be amazing. What about that kitchen remodel or that fence around there? So you're boxing your dog and that's perfect. And once it, is it perfect now? No, there's just something else now, right? There's just something else that the, there's this new thing that you got to go after and that will never end. So at some point, it's not wrong. You just got to stop and go, man, this, as much as I want to believe this works, it doesn't. It just doesn't work because I've lived it, right? And I've experienced this. You don't have to be a spiritual individual or a psychologist to understand this. I just, just watch what's going on in there and you'll literally will peel back the, the onions and you'll see this, all this whole process unfolding for you. You don't have to believe anybody else because you're living the experience. And that's when you can then live the experience and then teach that to other people. It's not that you know some insight, you're just paying attention to what's going on there and sharing with other people. Yeah, and I mean, this is just the, the maybe the cynic or the skeptic in me that says, well, Jim Carrey can say that now that he's this uber successful actor, director, whatever he is, you know, other people, you, me, whoever can say these things because we've achieved some sort of level of financial or external success. Would we still be saying the same things if that wasn't the case? Like, oh, we, this is not really what you're after, but you have, but, but you only know that once you have it. Well, that's the whole point of what I just said. Look, look back in the rest of your life. You, how long have you been saying that for? What about when you were six and you wanted a certain bike? That changed your life forever? I guarantee your mindset it would. What about when you wanted a certain outfit or a certain date or to be, to be picked to go on some sports team and you wanted to play it? Whatever it is. Like you, yeah. your mindset, if I go play on the in varsity team here, it's going to be an amazing, like I'm going to be amazing. And then it's over. <laughs> right? It's great for that moment. And then you're on to, but then I got to score a goal, right? Or whatever it is, right? It just never ends. So you just watch this process unfold. And again, it's, that's why I always come back to that. Sure. Keep going and tell me how good you do. And from now on, maybe if you don't want to believe from here on out, what I would say is go out there and accomplish whatever goal you want, but just be very aware and pay all the attention that you need to that on your way to getting this goal, all I want you to do is see how well you feel. You'll be excited on your way there. You'll be excited thinking about it. You'll be super pumped to go get there. You'll fight through it. You'll get it. Once you get it, you tell me how long that lasts. Just keep journaling about it every day after you get it. How long does it last? How long does it last before you're on to something else? Before that thing that you had to have is no longer a have to have and this becomes something that you have in your life and how quickly does it change to something else? That's all you need to know. If you do that, then from there, it, it's over. Then you realize, let me just stop this train that I'm on. This is the, that's when you go, I'm not going to spin around in a hamster wheel anymore. That's all you're doing. I'm not just going to play this game. You're just doing it with things that you're actually getting versus a hamster wheel. 
But just at some point you wake up and go, money's not going to solve this internal problem for me. Again, that's why if you can make peace with money and understand what it is, then you're fulfilled. And then you can, and then if you have money, it's just, it's great. It's a benefit to all that stuff. Again, there's nothing wrong with going after and improving your life for those things. It's just why, right? And what path or what part of you is going after that? How helpful do you, because I'm, I'm with you on all that and complete, completely agree how helpful is it, or maybe it's not, how helpful is it to be going back and dissecting our, the messages that we had around money or that we still have around money? Is that helpful or is it something that we can almost just let go? Or can we just let go of that and do what you just talked about, which is just realize that no matter what the messages were, no matter what, how much money there is or isn't, that's not going to give, that's not going to do anything for us. It's likely just on where you're at on your journey. If like you're just starting out and you don't believe you have any money messages or money problems, then maybe I would start with going back and understanding what your money messages were. So you become aware of some of the shortfalls that you have around money, whatever that is, because everyone does, right? There's some message that's in there that just may be unconsciously running their life. If they're very aware of what they are, then I would go to that next step and just go, well, every time it shows up, I'm just going to let go. I'm going to surrender. I understand this. I'm going to watch this process unfold. I'm still going to go out and again, this is why we always, you know, after have kids, have vacations, make money, build businesses, get out of building businesses, right? Make, you know, go lose money. All these things are going to happen, right? It's, it's all part of life. They're just not you and you're not attached to any of it. Stop attaching yourself to the roles that you're doing and you're doing it. So I would go back and just explore. You don't really think you have any money messages or whatever they are, or just maybe you just want to, that's a good starting position for people is just to bring up and just journal about it or just have a conversation about it. Just like you and I did, they can use this as a, as a model of some of the questions to ask from this podcast. And then basically have that with your partner, have that with your kids. Hey, what do you think about money? Ask your kids about it, by the way, if they're old enough, they'll tell you what you've been telling them basically. Right. <laughs> so if you don't get their answer, it's because that's what they've gotten from you. <laughs> Right. Like I have this little coin. It says uh, Tempest Fugit. And it basically says it basically says time matters. Um, and on the back of it, it's got um, it's got an hourglass. And it's really designed that every minute matters, not just for your life. This essence is for like specifically for a dad. Basically, it's like every minute your kids are watching everything that you're doing. Right. And so every time, every dollar, not every dollar, every minute matters. And Tempest forget, and it's got hourglasses. It's just a good reminder that they're watching everything, particularly when things are not going well. And when things are going well, they're listening everything. And so that's why you just, if, again, you could always ask them what you, what they think about money and hear their responses. Yeah. I just wanted to say what, what a good point, because it's not just about the money messages that we got. It's what money messages are we giving to. Yeah. And you do this. If you don't have kids or a family, like you're doing this in your business, right? How you, you oh, yeah. in money, like that shows up, right? Is there scarcity? So all of a sudden you have one bad month, you're emotionally freaking out. I'm not saying you're not taking action because that's part of what you have to do. But how are you, is your emotional state around this? Are you able to actually handle it? Whatever that is. Again, all of this comes from separation awareness. So the first step around this and the, the whole point of this podcast was, do you start having some level of awareness of how you think about money and then engaging in the conversation, not being afraid to talk about it, being very open about how you see money and including your weaknesses around that so that other people can go, oh yeah, I can see that. And I can see, and just you bring them out there, you're taking them out of you and putting them out there so they don't bother you anymore. And then you actually gain more clarity, more clarity and the path will be 
it'll it'll unfold exactly how it should for you once you're willing to have that level of awareness. Hey everybody, before you go, Helen and I wanted to ask you for a favor. As business owners, you understand that reviews and testimonials are an essential part of growing your business and reaching new audiences. Well, from two business owners to another, we would be incredibly grateful if you could support us by leaving a review. It does really help us get the podcast in the hands of other conscious business owners. So thank you.